Revolutionary Podcast headed your way. Steve and the Mobster, how's it going? Good. This is a very common drug in advanced bodybuilders and a, 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 a healthy drug too. So yeah, let's hit it. Yeah, so we're going to talk about HGH. This is our peptide series. So those of you who don't know much about peptides, it is okay because peptides are one of those that not a lot of people know about, but we're going to talk about them on these podcasts and we're going to give you the information and this way you can make the decision if you want to use them. Right? So HGH, gosh, it's human growth hormone. A lot of information on HGH mobster that's out there. Um, it's, it's peptide hormone stimulates growth on the cellular level. It's a protein which has endocrine functions in living animals and it's synthesized in cells from amino acids in the body. So your growth hormones stimulate cell reproduction and cell regeneration in humans and animals. Fitness world, all kinds of people use it. As Mobster said, you've got professionals that use really, really high dosage and they stack in other things with it to make it work. Yeah. You've got guys who use it as more of a hormone replacement type of thing. As they get older, the growth hormone drops. So they use it at very low dosages compared to what pros use it as. And then you've got guys who will throw it in a cycle, maybe use it in PCT, maybe use it in between cycles to get their goals that way. So we're gonna, we got a lot of information in this one, buddy, that we're going to talk about. So now it's, it's important to remember growth hormone. It's not a drug. It's not an anabolic steroid. It's not a stimulant. It's none of those things. It is a peptide that's naturally occurring in our body. And it's capable of using mitogen to help you grow. That's why you see pro bodybuilders who are 300 pounds and lean. They are using lots and lots of growth hormone. And growth hormones really, Monster, you would have to say has changed the game. If you compare, yes. you know, the Frank Zanes and even the Arnolds of, of the 70s compared to the guys from the 2000s, you can see the difference in their body structure. You know, Frank Zane... And all 200 pounds of him would get laughed off stage today if he competed in a heavyweight bodybuilder event. And be like, who is this? Who is this midget? You know, coming on stage. Same thing with Arnold. Arnold was like 200 and change. Arnold today, he would you know be able to compete maybe in the physique competition, but not in the heavyweight pro bodybuilder competition. He would just, I mean, just looking at him and looking at some of these other guys on stage. What do you think, Mobster? It just wouldn't look the same, huh? I think there's been an argument. I've seen uh, one uh, website a few years ago, and what they did is they kind of upped the Photoshop, the physiques of what we would call the golden age of bodybuilding, again, the Frank Zane, Arnold Schwarzenegger, et cetera, and beefed them up. So there's, there's, there's a question that sometimes comes up, Steve, is what would they look like if they did the protocols, including growth hormone of today? And a good example of that, as you mentioned already, would be Arnold. And the suggestion is that Arnold's heaviest off-season was probably around 260, but that would be smooth. You could see the muscle outline shape, but there was no rip, there was no detail. Now, imagine Arnold 260, Steve, but ripped and dry and gnarly. So there's a good argument. Whether he'd still be able to come up against, say, a big Rammy or somewhere like that weighing 300 pounds on stage is a different question. But, yeah, there's, it's, a it's like the, the locker room stuff where we – we try and work out if a, a, a great from yesteryear would still be a great now with the new rules, and in this case, with the new protocols. I, I like the idea of it, but obviously, without a time machine and going back in summers of growth, it would be difficult. But, yeah, I've seen what they look like, and there's some crazy-looking Photoshop physiques on, on the greats of yesteryear 
looking like with some of the muscle structure, some of the details, but kind of blown up and ballooned up. So it's a, it's a fun thing to talk about. But yeah, you're right. 225, I believe, was Arnold's best shape. 225 is, is at best Zeke. It is certainly not open. So he could come on stage. He knows how to pose. He knows how to play games with the competitors. But would he compare physically? No. And, of course, what we want to see in bodybuilders now is completely different. So we kind of want that HGH look. We want that peptide look. Back to you. So growth hormone, you know, yes, it's produced naturally in the body. But what we're seeing is the same thing as testosterone. As you get older, it drops. HGH, it tends to drop a lot earlier and a lot quicker. So when you're in your teens and you're you get an injury, you may notice, hey, I can work through that injury and I get better. And then once you start getting in your 30s and definitely your 40s, you'll get an injury and you won't heal as fast and you may not heal. It just becomes a chronic injury or nags on you. That's why you see professional athletes in the NFL or NBA or anything, they'll get an injury. And when they're in their early 20s, they seem to come back from their injury, no problem. But if they get the same injury in their 30s, then they like retire or they'll come back and they'll struggle. So it's really, really hard to, you know, to have that happen. And it's because the growth hormone drops off a cliff as we get older. And especially with all the environmental damage that we've done in our diets and the, the things that we're putting in our body, you know, the dirty water and all that good stuff um, or bad stuff. If, if you know, I, I don't want to be facetious about it because it is a serious thing, but it's causing our HGH levels to drop. So, you know, it's a good idea to go get your testosterone levels checked, but it's also a good idea, mobster, to get your growth hormone checked as well yeah. to see it's where so it's fun. at. And before you go and spend the money on growth hormone, you want to make sure that you even need it because if you've got good growth hormone levels at a later age, then you can roll with that. But let's say you're in your you know, thirties and you're an athlete and you're trying to strive for things and you go get tested and, Oh, I got low testosterone levels and Oh, I got low HGH levels. Well, that's going to prevent you from, from reaching your goals. So it's very, very important to know that. And just like testosterone, the pituitary glands are responsible for producing our growth hormone. And you have the anterior and the posterior growth hormone secreted by the anterior part. So this way to maintain natural GH levels in the body you know, is to be, be active physically and mentally, but not overactive. Like if you're too active as like these CEOs, self-made CEOs, I'm not going to say CEOs, but self-made CEOs who work like 20 hour days, yeah, they've got problems. All right. You're overworking your brain. And these people who train two, three hours a day who in their twenties, you know, for triathlons and stuff, you're overworking your body. So it's going to hurt your HGH in the long run, not help. But it, but on the flip side is sitting in your um, grandma's basement eating pizza and watching TV and watching Jerry Springer all day is also going to damage both your test levels and HGH levels. So stay active. Fasting is a really good tool to boost HGH. Fasting boosts HGH at around the 24 to 36 hour mark, about four to five hundred percent gives you a nice pop. Eating healthy and sleep, mops. There's sleep, sleep, sleep. Yes. How many people yes. do you know? who you train with and stuff and they show up to the gym and they're half asleep because they don't sleep good at night. And then you train with them and they half ass their workouts and they're always injured. They're like, Oh, I can't go to the gym. I'm injured. Well, that's why they're not sleeping good. So sleep, sleep, sleep is very, very important as well. That's when your growth hormone goes up when you're not eating. And when you're sleeping is when your growth hormone is at the highest. So it'd be in the morning for a normal person living a normal lifestyle. So you want to keep that in mind. 
So, Monster, jump in a little bit, and we'll talk about a little more about the medical uses of HGH. Right. I'll, I'll echo what Steve says, and in fact, it was a, a, a 100% the in normal situation. Like Steve says, the peak times are when you're asleep. It's when your body's repairing tissue, repairing those muscles you broke down in the gym and so on and so forth. In terms of age, it's what makes you grow, Steve. It's what makes you tall. Uh, so people that have got issues with the pituitary gland, as you said earlier on, that's when you get the, the these seven-foot and eight-foot people uh, because there's, they've quite often got a tumour or some sort of abscess or infection or whatever on that gland, and it's just not, it should have stopped. So instead of them hitting six feet or five feet, ten or whatever, you end up with uh, the Robert O. Wordlow's eight feet, 11.1 inch, and, and, that's, and they nearly always die young as well. There's another, so the younger person, your teenager, literally what we call that growth spurt, is what turns you from a baby to a child, child to a teenager. And that's so that growth spurt that nearly all of us get in our late teens and early 20s when we hit maximum height, when we hit the maximum bone structure. The other thing I was going to say, Steve, and this was on the training side of things, and it's not necessarily how to train on growth hormone, but in terms of the kind of training that I do, these short, high-intensity type training tends to have a more effective way of producing a spurt, a very small spurt, it has to be said, of growth hormone with that kind of training. So as Steve has said in the past, get in the gym, get your work done, get out. Right? So you can be there for two hours, but if you're not hitting 50 minutes of actually pounding on the weights, and instead of which you're taking 10 or 15 minutes in between and attention to a two-hour workout, that's going to maybe work a little bit. But if you were to train like a crazy person and it was a non-stop two hours, you're wearing yourself out. And any growth hormone that's produced in the early part of that workout would be negated by the simple fact that you've now gone into overtraining. So yeah, get in, do the work, get out. There's no specific set reps, etc. but it's a short, high intensity, 45, 50 minute workouts. And of course, these are ideal for other situations, but they're especially ideal for producing a small spur of growth form in that particular time. And of course, it's precisely why, Steve, as you well know, that the genetic freaks of our sport, whether they're strongmen, bodybuilders, athletes, whatever, tend to be lean. And growth hormone and their use of growth hormone and their style of training is why they look the way that they do. Back to you. So another way that ACH is used in medicine is also HIV patients, AIDS patients. It's a great yes. tool for them because their immune systems are shot. They have a muscle-wasting disease. So doctors have put them on that. That was a big thing. Uh, maybe 20, 25 years ago, there's been a lot of advancements with those types of medications. But back then, uh, HGH was heavily given through government programs to AIDS patients. And the way pro bodybuilders would get a hold of it throughout the 90s yeah. and 2000s would be they would go to their um, they would find someone who was selling them. And it's it's very unethical and very immoral. But the AIDS patients would sell the pro bodybuilder their HGH kits for some nice cash. And that would be kind of the way pro bodybuilders would get legitimate pharmacy grade HGH back then. So that's kind of, it's kind of a sad situation, but, but it is true. And then fast forward to now, now, you know, you can come on our forums and you can buy HGH from a legitimate place. You don't have to do yeah. stuff like that, immoral stuff mm -hmm. like that. Another thing though, if you get HGH from the wrong source, Oh my gosh, very good mm -hmm. chance. It's fake. A lot of sources will use something like ACG or just any type of powder, any type of peptide. Maybe they'll use a, a GHRP um, or something instead. And you will not know the difference unless you just 
maybe get blood worked on or something, but it's still kind of hard. Like if they use GHRP, then the GHRP could affect your blood work positively. So they can fake the HGH a lot of different ways. Now the ACG, obviously one of the tricks to figure that one out is some pregnancy test. You can, you can use a, a the, you can put the, the, what you think is growth hormone on the pregnancy test. And if it comes out positive, then you know, you're really getting ACG because ACG is uh, female pregnant female urine. So it would show up as a, as a positive uh, doing it that way. So that's kind of funny. Um, so just be careful where you get ACH. Uh, that, that's, that's basically my point. And uh, a lot of sources sell the fake ACH. So mom, sir, you want to talk a little bit about that? And then maybe we can get into the overall benefits of ACH. I mean, it's just, it's no different between this and any other pro performance enhancing drug guys, because quite simply, when there's money to be made, you're, you're going to have people producing fakes. So obviously what we, we talk about on this podcast is we say go with a reliable, referred, approved source. Uh, I, I would even suggest, Steve, that if you're going to fake it, you might as well just put some sort of inert, harmless powder in there. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's essentially doing nothing. Kind of like, like a, if you, though this is an injectable, it's kind of like a filler. Uh, and, and if I was going to scam someone, that's what I would do. I said, what, what's the point? If something in, it's not going to cause them any problems. I don't care. The problem is really, Steve, that to a, a sensible month supply or a sensible pack, depending on how you use it, and we're going to talk about dosages in a while, it's not cheap. Even with the kind of approved sources that we have, and even with the deals that sometimes come up, you're probably looking four or five hundred bucks a month. Uh, and one of the things I actually looked at, I was looked, did some research before I came on the forums as a moderator for a couple of buddies, one with colitis and one with Crohn's disease. And uh, useful for them was human growth hormone to repair the gut that's being attacked by the immune system in both examples. And the information I got, funny enough, as Steve said earlier on, was from an HIV slash AIDS forum. And they, they were typically spending $500 a month. Now, that would probably be three or four years ago. So even if it's $550, $600, that's what those guys were using in order. And they, did, they weren't too worried about the side effects because, you know, essentially they're keeping themselves alive, Steve. So they weren't too overly concerned with the side effects, but they had to deal with that. And I was able to address the information, which we will get into with my two buddies in, in reference to a suitable amount to treat their own ailments but without obviously having HIV or AIDS or anything quite as serious as that. And again, yeah, giving you an idea of the cost. So the, 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 I would say 100%, same as you would with any other performance enhancing drug, you want to make sure that the site or the place that you buy it from comes highly recommended. You can, you can look for reviews and you're looking for, come on our forums and ask, have you tried this version or that version? Have you used this source? When you did it, how do you know that it was working? And all the right and relevant questions, because, again, I think especially because the performance tends to be, to be run for months at a time and not for short periods of time, uh, you want to know that you're using something that works, is reliable, a great source to go to, and so on and so forth. And like I said, I, I, and another thing, Steve, when it comes to cost as well, if I was ever to run growth hormone, I, and especially in the same way that I would recommend this, uh, and I got this funny enough from Paul Borison back in the day, and that was his idea of if you want to grow, save up your money through the year. Don't do small cycles through the year, but save up your money and get your products through the year as and when you've got the spare cash. And this applies to growth hormone kept under ideal conditions, it has to be said. And get your stash together 
in one great big amount and then do that 12-week mega cycle, that 12-week run stuff properly and feed, feed, feed and feed. Now, you're still going to need to up your food afterwards, but that was his recommendation. I wouldn't suggest in this example, Steve, running it for short periods of time and then coming back to it a little while later, maybe for tissue repair, but for the other benefits, which we'll get into, I, I think it needs to be run for a long time. So a long time is a lot of money and a lot of money needs you to be sure that you're getting what you paid for. Back to you. So getting to the benefits, buddy, uh, very, very important to go over this. Uh, you're going to spend all this money on growth hormone. You better be getting you know, yes. some, some, some benefits out of it. Right. So, so one of the benefits of the growth hormone that you should notice pretty quick is the deeper sleep. And, and, you know, I've run it, you'll notice a deeper sleep literally within a couple of weeks, maybe, maybe with the first month, um, you'll notice you're sleeping harder. Uh, maybe you're dreaming more at night. Maybe things aren't waking you up the way they used to. You're not tossing and turning as much. Another thing you'll notice right off the bat is hunger. And again, that's because of that rise in HGH in the body. So the appetite would go up. And that's why it's so good in, in uh, situations where people have um, muscle wasting diseases. So they're able to eat more. Um, another thing you'll notice, you have to be on it a little longer, though, is faster recovery. You might notice you're less sore after your harder workouts. Your nagging injuries don't bother you as much. You may notice some, some uh, more energy. You might notice a little bit of a change in libido. Your immune system should improve, especially if your growth hormone was low before. Your growth, your immune system will definitely improve. Your skin health should improve. And then yeah. fat loss and, and more metabolism, that usually comes in um, a few months on it. You're not going to notice so much fat loss really quick on it. That's something long term. So you got to run it three, three to three, four months minimum to start seeing uh, actual, you know, legit fat loss. So. Um, so, uh, you know, in the, in the, the professional leagues, uh, HGH is really used a lot for those reasons. And it's hard to get busted for HGH because HGH is a peptide. It's, it, doesn't, it doesn't have an ester attached to it. So if you take HGH, let's say daily, you take HGH and they call you and they say, yeah, you got to get tested on Thursday. Go in and get tested for PEDs. By the time you you go there Thursday, it's not going to be in your system anymore. They're not going to be able to find you. So HGH is a good chance that it is abused quite a bit in professional sports for that reason. Now let's get into the side effects a little bit. Um, and there are some side effects that you'll experience: hypoglycemia. You 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 know because of that hunger increase, you could notice that pretty quick when you're on it. It does increase your insulin resistance, especially if you abuse it. Now if you run it at a low dose at like a, a hormone recovery dose, that's not so much an issue. But the people who abuse the crap out of it, like bodybuilders who yeah. crap, abuse it, they're definitely yeah. going to notice that. And that works into their benefit because now they can use insulin and eat a shit ton of food. So it kind of yes. works in their benefits for that. And that's kind of the whole purpose why they abuse the crap out of it. Now, one of the things you could notice is water retention, maybe some achy joints. You know, you might get more tired, you might get more sleepy normally than you normally would. And then carpal tunnel is something. If you start getting carpal tunnel with HGH, that means you got to back off the dose. Unless you're like a pro or something where you got to abuse it. But I have, I, have, I have clients who run like three IUs a day and they, they call me and they're like, Steve, I got carpal tunnel. And I'm like, well, dude, it's because you're running it at three IUs. Lower your dose and you won't have carpal tunnel. Lower it down to 1.5 IUs a day and then get back to me. And then they, they say, oh, it's gone now. Well, that tells you that you're abusing it, running it at, running it that high. But it also means you got good HGH. 
at the same time. Yeah. So I'll start chiming yeah, yeah, a little yeah. bit about that. Um, cancer, really quick before I let you back up. Yeah. Cancer is definitely an, an issue with, with HGH. And it's because of the growth. It's a growth hormone, and it's going to grow those cancer cells. So if you have existing cancer, maybe you have an existing cancer that you don't know about, and you take HGH, it can blow it up. So be aware of that as well. These bodybuilders who abuse the crap out of HGH, there's a good chance they'll get cancer uh, sooner than they, they would like in life. Um, it's not something to mess around with. So Mobster, chime in on that. We'll talk about dosing. Once you start yeah, getting into dosing. Yeah, something well, I'll touch on the end of what we're talking about now here, Steve, because one of the issues we've actually referred to in other podcasts when we've talked about myo, myostatin inhibitors, and we said the problem with our myostatin inhibitors, it, that as they currently exist, if they exist in any useful form, they're non-selective. So, of course, we want them to hit our muscles, and we want them to hit specific muscles. We want those muscles to grow. The problem with that particular way, with growth hormone, for the same reasons, it doesn't just affect your belly fat, it doesn't just affect your ability to grow more muscle in the gym, it's affecting all the cells in your body, hence the issue with cancer. So what that what does that mean? It essentially means that any cell in your body is going to get a hit, a tiny microscopic hit of this additional growth hormone over and above what your body's producing for itself, which, by the way, people, it's non-suppressive. Uh, so in other words, your body will continue to produce its own, which may well be low, but uh, equally, you're adding to it, but it doesn't stop its own production. Something that Steve didn't mention, which I'll touch on, and then I also referred to the carpal tunnel, so-called growth hormone gut, now, uh, a.k.a. palumbalism, named after Dave Palumbo because he was, a, was and still is a huge growth hormone fan. But when he was competing at his best, i.e. 300 pounds for um, posing exhibitions, etc., and guest posing, he had a stomach that was slipper, a ripped, gnarly, six-pack covered, but bulging out stomach. And unfortunately, there was a bunch of other bodybuilders that were having the same problem at the same time. Now, the argument was, and believed by many, to be the effects of growth hormone. However, especially as David's a good example against Steve, once he stopped training and once he stopped being 300 pounds, his stomach reduced. So I think the truth was a combination of things. That lean, gnarly look that he had was definitely down to the growth hormone. And again, he's a big fan. He tells you so. He's a big fan of using high doses for short periods of time for bodybuilding purposes. But it was also the food. It was simply the fact that combined with insulin, as Steve's already said, people were taking a lot more food and they were absorbing a lot more of that food into their body uh, to build muscle tissue. And unfortunately, the sheer volume of food combined with growth hormone push the stomach wall out. If you look at Dave now, when he does his podcast, when he does his video vlogs, he's lean. He's always been lean before training. He's lean now. He's vascular now. Uh, but he doesn't have a stomach sticking out on that desk when he's doing his shows. So in reality, his stomach shrunk because he didn't eat the same volume of food that he was eating before. Uh, I will touch on a carpal tunnel. This is an issue. And honestly, Steve, it can be tweaked by a very, very small amount. As Steve said, he's had clients that have had three IUs a day and was getting carpal tunnel. I say that the sweet spot is somewhere between 2 and 2.5 IUs. You'll see a lot of guys recommending uh, five IUs or more per day. Uh, typically, what they will sometimes suggest, which works in the same principle that I've just suggested, which is five IUs every other day. Uh, and for me, I think that's about the right amount between four and five values every other day 
if you want to clean it frequently, more frequently, i.e. every day you can, but it has to be around that level for me. And I think that's a sweet spot. It's economical. You can run it for longer periods of time. You're more likely to get the long-term benefits that we've already discussed, and you don't have to use crazy amounts. Now, if you're competing, a professional bodybuilder, competing professional strength athlete uh, or, 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 or Olympic-level athlete, you might want to run higher doses, but then you're going to get the benefits not just for them running the higher dosages, but literally fiscally, you are going to be paid more for winning more competitions as a result of your ability to perform. And of course, that's going to come down to the work that you put in and the training that you do, your athletic ability, but also it has to be said by virtue of the, the increased amounts of performance enhancing drugs. Now, Steve and I would quite naturally argue it doesn't have to be excessive, but it will typically be more than two to two and a half IUs every day. Five IU, four to five values every other day. What do you think about dosing, Steve? You've got clients that you've worked with. What's been the sweet spot for them? I think with dosing, you really have to watch out for what I said earlier. If you start dosing it, you start getting the carpal tunnel. If you start getting the hypoglycemia, the shakes, if your appetite is just out of control, that tells you, hey, I got to lower the dose. So the nice thing about HGH, you can be flexible. Remember, it's not to start, you're not taking testosterone sipinate here, where it's a long ester that's going to be in your system yeah. for. For uh, the half life is 10, 12 days. It's going to be in your system 50, 55 days here. No, it's it's in and out of your system. It's a peptide. So you can be flexible and you can play around with the dosage. Um, you know, overdosing HGH long term, the side effects that I mentioned, those are real. I mean, this, it's not me scaring you. So, oh, uh, 100%. Yeah, abusing 100%. it is not, is not beneficial. It's not beneficial. And if you just want to run it, I'd run it more more toward 1.5 to 2, just a normal guy. Now, if you're a professional, obviously, they're running it a hell of a lot higher. These guys are running at 10, 15. They're abusing the crap out of it. And the reason they do that is they'll throw in the insulin on top of it, and then they'll eat a shit ton of food. And that have, that's how they're 300 pounds, huge, like Big Rami, uses a shit ton of HGH. So... They really abuse the crap out of their body, with, you know, taking all this stuff. So it's really not necessary. If you're just a normal Joe. You want to run it for a few months, get some, get a few kits, and try it out. I would, I would go 1.5 to two. Um, I think the misconception over the years is guys used to get underdose HGH, so they'd have to run it four or five IU's just to see anything. And now, you know, we've gotten smarter when it comes to getting our own blood work done. And that sort of thing. So sources I've also realized, hey, I can't cheat people by sending them, you know, half the dose of HGH that I'm claiming. So they can't get away with it. Their forums are very active. If a source is caught doing that, they're called out for it. They're called out as scammers. So I think now the quality of HGH that we have at our fingertips is much better than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago as well. So, Mobster, give us your final thoughts on this. And then uh, take us in the disclaimer. It's a great show. Guys, come onto the forums for information on how to mix and how to store. For example, unlike steroids, you can't keep it in the, in the desk drawer once it's been mixed up. This is why you've seen those, uh, and I'm thinking of one very high-ranking, Mr. Olympia slash professional bodybuilder who made the mistake and had to edit it out of a video because he opened the fridge when he was doing a house. I think lifestyles of a rich and famous bodybuilder, and unfortunately the camera got some growth hormone in his fridge door. Uh, so you're going to need a cooler box. You're going to need a fridge. Come onto the forums. Ch check out the mixing, the dosing. Some of you guys need specific information about brachiocytic water. 
They need information about how to work out how much they're putting into the water and how to mix it up. It's a peptide, so it can be quite fragile. You can read information about the amino acids. We can even break down the amino acid profile for you. If you're that interested, it's all there. That's on the forums. But guys, again, this is not some sort of secret. I'm going to get lean because I'm taking a drug uh, without training, without a good diet. All of the performance enhancing drugs, all of the peptides that we're talking about here, they're not magic beans, guys. You still have to do the work. You still have to train. You still have to diet. And in fact, even those drugs like growth hormone, which can work regardless, work better when your diet is clean, when you fast, when you train, when you go to bed early and you get your rest. They enhance all those things. Now, in the case of growth hormone, it will have some effect, even if you did nothing, but it's minimal in order to maximize everything else that has to be on point. And I make this point because even top professional bodybuilders, and I'm referring, I think, to a comment that Dexter Jackson made when he was talking about if it fits your macros. And he said, if I've got the genetics to be lean and to be a massive Mr. Olympia-esque bodybuilder, and I still eat clean, then what makes you think with normal genetics you can get away with those things? It's the same principle. Work hard in the gym, eat properly, eat cleanly, eat tidy, do your cardio, be on point, keep plugging away, and then add in a small amount of growth hormone. Again, this is for most of you, not all of you. We both know, Steve, you and I are bodybuilders on the forums and off that use large amounts. The reality is there's going to be large amounts for short periods of time. And ideally in this situation, to get an absolutely crazy, crazy, gnarly, vascular, freaky looking shape for a bodybuilding stage. In reality, the rest of us, the guys that listen to this podcast, the sensible and informed user is going to be a small amount on a hopefully as long as they can afford to run it. Guys, don't don't stop paying the bills. You still need to pay your bills. You still need to make dollar in your car. You still need to do the hours at work. But every so often, you might be in a situation where you've got a few hundred dollars spare, stick it into some growth hormone, stick it away, store it properly, and then when it's the appropriate time, great time, for example, getting into shape, Steve, but especially if you've had an injury, it's a great way of recovering from an injury, bring it in. But run it properly, run it the way we're talking about. One more thing I want to add, though, fun final tip. I like to give a tip at the end of these podcasts. Keep your ACH in your fridge, not just yes. after you mix it, of course, but before. Because okay. it will keep it look, it will keep it lasting longer and more potent. So keep it in the fridge, not just after, but before. And that will save you a lot of money over the long term if you want to use HGA. So that's that's my tip of the day with this. Yeah, so yeah, you're, Steve's right. It's heat sensitive. It should come to you well packed. Uh, and ideally, you don't want to have it delivered to you on the hottest day of the year and then left in your mailbox. You really don't. But I know. Steve just addressed the other issue. I did know that it was heat sensitive specifically once it's been mixed, but Steve's correct. I should have said that, and that's correct as well. And that's to say is that it, it is heat sensitive even in its powdered form. And one a silly little thing, and again, the details are on the forums. It, for example, when you're shaking it, guys, it's not like mixing up a protein shake. It's a gentle swirl. It's a protein peptide. It's long chains, short chains. I think it's, it's short chains amino acids, Steve. You can't smash it uh, and and basically you'd be wasting your dollar and you wouldn't get the full effect that you'd have got if you hadn't vigorously shook it and then stuck it on the windowsill on a, on a blazing hot day. So it sounds silly, but it's sensible, solid advice. It does make sense. And trust me, when you're 
five six hundred dollars out on on a cycle as they would cost now for 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 a hundred IUs. I wouldn't want to waste it by leaving it in the trunk of my car or sticking it on the windowsill or not sticking it in the fridge and essentially ruining my money. So yeah, follow the advice. But come back, double check the information that we're giving you with this podcast by coming onto the forums, checking out the articles. We've got a reference here for an article that we'll include with the show notes and come on the forums and check out and get the latest information. But as always, please note, we are not doctors and the opinions on these shows are ours and ours alone. Is our view and based on our experience and views on the topic. The podcast are for informational purposes and entertainment only. The freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.